This is Talking Devils, your favourite Manchester United podcast. I'm your host, Wayne Barton, joined by the legendary former Manchester United defender, Paul Parker. How are you doing, Paul? I'm fine, thank you, Wayne. Good, good. Um, you noticed there, I, I was a little bit muted. Um, I'm playing it down a little bit um, with the legendary former defender stuff. Just, <laughs> just so I can catch you out in future. Um, <laughs> <laughs> playing, playing along with that one for a bit um, Talking Devils is brought to you in association with Classic Football Shirts Classic Football Shirts have a classic a range of classic shirts and sportswear online and in their physical stores as well obviously not at the moment um, but on- online listeners to this podcast can get a 10% discount using TOTD10 at the online checkout um, a difficult week Paul really um, we could talk about the West Ham game it's not very much to talk about from that it's almost a complete non-event went to extra yeah. time I would say the the most um, well there was a couple of things from United's point of view that are probably worth talking about um, the, the highlight from the game I would guess all around for this podcast is that your nephew was probably one of the match um, <laughs> Ben Johnson he had a great game when he came on um, yeah, 45 minutes but he, I thought he was very good um, um, but you know United struggled in the game until they made the late changes and sort of um which isn't, I, I, really, which isn't really a good showing, by the way, is it really? No, but they were. It was a it was a rubbish game, and it was a rubbish performance. Um, neither team. It was such a weird thing for a cup game, you know, like being scared to lose. That's what it looked like. Um, the the most notable thing, obviously, obviously, United you know, get through and, and they win in extra time, which is the aim of the game. The the main thing for me to take away from the game was how um, lost Van der Beek looked. Very bad performance, but I, I could. You could see that it was disjointed, that he just wasn't in sync with the players, and that's it was a the kind of performance that um, is a consequence of not being integrated into the team fully, wasn't it? Really, that's what I think. That's what we saw. Yeah, without a doubt. And the one thing that was that I always keep saying is he doesn't get a long enough opportunity to play with Fernandez. Mm. Those two, I believe, and if someone can tell me any different. But I don't think you can tell me until you actually see it and then you can judge it on three, four, five games yeah. that those two can't play together. For some unknown reason, I'm listening to that game and I'm listening to, um, I'm going to say his name properly, but it's, I'd rather say it with maybe a different spelling of the surname. Um, Jermaine Genus mm-hmm. um, was talking about, and he was virtually talking about him. And the reason why he's struggling to get playing time is because him and Fernandez are too similar. And I'm kind of looking at it and I think, so I'm not the greatest with analysis as such. I don't go that deep. I don't want to because I can't be bothered, to be perfectly honest, and live in, live in that world and, make, and become an anorak of the game. But I'm looking and I think to myself, and he, he's telling me that, he, you know, he come out and said that he's, oh, he saw him play for Ajax. And if he's seen him play for Ajax and he's seen Fernandes, there's no way you say that those two actually are anywhere near the same kind of players. Yeah. I don't see Van der Beek actually trying to knock 40-yard passes. I don't see Van der Beek trying to curl balls in from the edge of the box. I see Van der Beek playing little one-twos, little overs in and around the box, running into the box with a ball at his feet because he's a little bit of a scurrier. I see him in midfield going around and getting close to people to close them down, to put them under pressure. And when you're in tight areas, when, he's, when you see him in tight areas, when he first arrived, every time he got in tight areas, he, he didn't give the ball away. He was always finding his man in tight areas. That bit is a little bit disappearing now because I think he's losing heart. Yeah. And the problem is, is just that this situation 
which is caused by Oli, is leading in towards a bit of a Fred scenario, which happened with Mourinho. Mm. You've got somebody, and it's harder for Fred this t- um, for um, Van der Beek this time. Fred was like, God knows, six, 7,000 miles away from home. And he's sitting on the prick, comes to a big club like United. He's seen it all go around him. Can't believe he's, you know, what he's worked hard to get to after playing, playing in the Ukraine and what he's done. And he's, he's reached kind of maybe, he's gone, he's gone another level, massive level. And all of a sudden he wants to do, he wants to familiarise, he wants to get close to people. And you get all that by being, being involved and being around it and given a fair crack of the whip, but he kept getting put in and made to look silly, put in at the wrong, and everything didn't suit away. And he must have been very lonely in that situation when, when you're at a club, you just joined, and you're not playing regularly. It's very hard to integrate mm-hmm. unless you're outlandish, you're an outlandish person. In other words, you start being silly as Mendy was when he was when, at City, doing silly things like him attention-seeking. Yeah. And that isn't Fred. And all of a sudden, Van der Beek comes across, and no, miles are not a problem. The problem is, is that he can't, no one can virtually go in and out. Well, you can in this country for some reason, but you know what I'm saying, it's very difficult. He's having to live in some, it's kind of like a bubble because of the football and what's going on. So friends and family, I don't know if his partner's across with him, so it's very difficult for him. He's not an outlandish lad at all. You can see the way he is. He was in a great, living in, living at home playing for the you know the biggest side in the country as Manchester United are the biggest side in the country he was doing that enjoying his football playing well he's scoring regularly for his country yet he finds himself where he's looking at other people playing in front of him and in his own mind he's kind of going well I'm better than him I can do that I can play in there and yet he's having he's been sacrificed because Either the manager just wants to play two defence-minded players in midfield, or there's a bit of sentiment coming into it. And he's got, and you've got to be careful, because being sentimental can end, up, can end up with yourself, with you destroying yourself mm. as that person. And I, I think it's totally... Every time he comes on, he doesn't get the opportunity, gets thrown in at the wrong times. And the worst thing about it, there's people out there trying to judge him. People judge. People should remember that they judge Fred that way, and Fred was deemed as awful. Get rid of him. He got absolutely pasted by people, and players see it all now because of everything's in front of them. You can't. If you've got a mobile phone, unless it's a Nokia, you see everything. Yeah. It's as simple as that. So Fred was unjustly um, slaughtered, and people now have seen Fred now and seen what he's about. I think everyone. If everyone sees the game, they know you put Fred in a slow, deliberate team that ponders at the back, as what, oh yeah, what, what, as United do, and the game is not high tempo, he struggles, because, the game, because he, he gets too much time. But you put him in a high tempo game, there's every chance you'd be one of your best two players. Yeah. Because of the way the game is, and the way when he played for Shatter and the Nets, they played at a very high tempo. United are too slow. So it doesn't suit him. And it's the same with Van der Beek. He can do that. But he can do both. Given time, he can still play in that structured way because he's had a great education in football, being at Ajax from maybe the age of three, the way they work. But no, I mean, long and short of it, the lad, is, in my opinion, has been treated disgracefully. No respect there for him at all with his, everything about him. He's been treated dis, disrespectfully. And I think... I just think he must be thinking to himself, 
I want to go back home. I want to go back and I can go and play regularly for Ajax. Yeah. I can go and play in the Champions League. Honestly, I would, I would be saying that to him. And any other player, player, let's put it this way, if Fernandes come across and he was like this, you, everyone would know already he's unhappy. But, yeah. Van, yeah. but Van der Beek, he's just keeping quiet, doesn't want to be a problem. It's, it's a good point. I think, and, and the comparison as well, I think when I watch Van der Beek and I look at his qualities, he reminds me a little bit of Jason Park. Not, not with the same engine, but that he'll break play up in that kind of way, um, which sometimes you think Fred will do. Um, but obviously you would hope that Van der Beek, a little bit more quality on the ball than yeah, Park. Yeah, correct. Um, but yeah, it, we, we're just not being able to see it at the moment. And I'll, I'll talk about Van der Beek in a, in a little bit because I think there are a couple of things I want to say on that a, a little bit later on. But let, let's get on to... Um, West Brom then West Brom away yesterday two points dropped I don't think anyone can um, complain with that I'm not going to say it's a point gain because it was a well you might do actually considering the fact that West Brom had some of the better chances um, so yeah I look at it, two points dropped Lindelof was absolutely bullied on that first goal by um, De Agner I think that's how you pronounce it um, mm-hmm. he, he was he could also I mean in this moment perhaps we'll get to it in a little bit he could also be critical of Fred for allowing that cross to come in because he stands off but United was so passive in response to that I think what we saw is Oli um, he, he'd put he clearly put the, the attacking lineup um, to fit players in but when Martial's not playing well, he might as well not be on the pitch. And and if you've got Rash, Rashford from the right, as we did yesterday, he's not really effective. Um, West Brom were happy to sort of play narrow, knowing that those two don't do much in the inside channels, um, especially if they're packed. You know, they they can get past one player, but they're not really. I mean, Rashford has more capability to get past two or three. I think. No, I'm not saying that his dribbling style is like particularly magnificent compared to Martial, but Martial's always a one player and stop. Rashford can get past two or three, but they were blocking the channels and, and they just didn't do anything. Um, I think the probably the the breakthrough for the goal came because Maguire carried the ball a little bit further forward and it created a little bit. Of, I know, I know mm. you're not, not normally a big fan of that, and I, I'm not really, but I think it create a little bit of space for, for sure to cross in a better position um, but then as we've seen against Arsenal as we've seen against even Liverpool but you know, Sheffield United as well this Man United team are very passive a fault of the players and, and a fault of the manager as well because they allow big passages of time to to happen and to go by and Oli does as well by not um, affecting the change not by making the change and you don't get the time back United aren't wearing opponents down. It's comfortable for opponents as it was for West West Brom yesterday. They think it looks like the players are just thinking something's going to happen. Correct. And and like the title talk that you know that was just happening because of a good run of results, the players have sort of believed that. And then after the Sheffield United game, they felt sorry for themselves. Maybe even the Anfield one because it was. Now it looks like a negative result because they were there to be beaten and get a lot of serious confidence from that. But that's how it was yesterday, Paul. That's how it looked to me, at least. You know, there was a little bit more urgency in the second half after Marcel finally came off. Um, but it just there wasn't enough quality. I mean, when when the urgency came, there was too much rushing, and United pressed. And when they did, they looked vulnerable. 
and although Maguire had the late chance, obviously they had two massive chances to score themselves, which they should have scored both of them. Perhaps the the centre forward showing a little bit of his naivety there. Um, Maguire all over the place for for one of them. Um, it wasn't great, Paul. Um, we'll talk about the post match comments and and everything afterwards. But on the on the game itself, um, definitely two points dropped and. All of those old problems that United are sort of carrying along with them were there to see again, weren't they? Yeah, they were. And you look at their last five Premier League games, everyone would point to Southampton, and Southampton one was really a false result. Mm. It was against a side down to 10 men early, and then a side that had a man sent off at the end, and really looking at Southampton are gone. That's, that performance was up against a really a team that is having a poor moment with injuries and a club a little bit in turmoil up top all over the place so if you discount that game and you look at the other games you look how many points they've dropped that tells you why even when they were top of the league I think everyone knew that the main, the main United supporters the one who's been there through thick and thin and seen it knew that this team wasn't good enough to win the league they could have won the league. There might have been even more if City weren't hadn't taken it on board and suddenly changed their whole ethos and become this team now that seem unbeatable at this moment in time. If they're going to get beat, they're going to, the team's going to have to be on form and City are going to have to have dropped a little bit of a level for, for them to lose it. Maybe complacency might step in. You never know. But this United team are... Well, no, even when they were at the top there, it was good to see them back in that position and the way it works out. And maybe it's throwing everything forward from what it was prior to this season. But maybe it was too quick, the whole thing of them getting there because there isn't there, the players, some of those players aren't, aren't capable of being involved in a side that's going to win the league. And when I say a league, I mean a proper league. This league is should be called the SPL, and I don't mean it's become Scottish. It should be called the sterile Premier League, to be perfectly honest, at this moment in time. If you're a team that can accustom yourself to playing in a sterile atmosphere, you can do well, i.e. Man City and West Ham to a point. Two sides who have excelled consistently in their surroundings. So United at the moment haven't done that. That performance yesterday wasn't good it was again oh we're going to win this it's all right even going one nil down oh we're going to win this it was a panic mode you never got that belief that they was in control of the game mm. at half time they come they come out at half time after half time because west you know if that had gone another five minutes that first half <clears throat> even to the point of when the referee blew the whistle they could they could have gone and scored another goal because West West Brom were in disarray, yeah. <clears throat> and I don't often say this, but Big Sam <clears throat> must have done well at half time because they come out second half, and <clears throat> even though United started well in that first minute, <clears throat> after that excuse me I got a frog in my throat. <clears throat> after that, it was West Brom. West Brom were the team who looked likely more than United. Even though they had a lot of the balls and they were slinging, you know, not even slinging it in, they never, re- you never really, you thought to yourself, it looks like they're, you know, chasing down a penalty, just, yeah. my, just running into cul-de-sacs in the box, hoping that someone sticks out a leg so they can fall over. That's what it's becoming now, football. And United were playing that way, playing like a side in panic instead of being a side that should be feeling the best in the country and playing and letting everyone believe you know we're in control as individuals and collectively they wasn't it wasn't that way of a Man United side who were looking to break down a lesser team to go on and win a game that keeps them in a little bit in the hunt it was a side playing panic 
And again, you mentioned Harry Maguire running with the ball. The problem is it happened too many times. He runs with it to people. As soon as he gets within five yards of them, he gives it to them. And I think to myself, well, why are you running with it? You're drawing more people towards you. So when you give it to that person, he's got more people around him. If you see him, lend it to him. Yeah. Give it, just punch it into him. And, if he, and all of a sudden then what happens is he'll punch it back to you if he, if he doesn't see anything. And then what happens is you create space and a different picture in front of you. But if you keep running with it, you draw more people in. Yeah. You know, it's like virtually... It's like virtually running into ten people, and they haven't eaten for ten haven't eaten for ten days, and you've got a sausage roll in your hand. If you run with it, they're all going to chase you down. But if you <laughs> throw it to somebody, they can't. You know, they all can't get there together. But, but he keeps he keeps running with it all the time. I think to myself, you're a centre half. You're not you're not a person with number seven or eleven on your back. You're not a winger because you're too big to be a winger. You're dribbling with your head down, and you're causing a problem for your team because. When, when you're playing against a West Brom, you made it very narrow. You, you, every time United went wide and went behind, Luke Shaw got behind, Wan-Bissaka got behind on a, quite a few occasions. And that's what, you, that's what your aim is, to stretch teams out. But they seem to want to keep going through the middle. And he kept running through the middle, hoping, he did it a few times, running into the box, looking for somebody to have a little, stick a little leg out to fall over. Mm. Yeah, no, you're right. And the thing is with Maguire doing that, um, to be fair, I will say that I do think it had a little bit of an impact on the goal, but but it is a tactic that only oh, it's a, a sort of uh, ability that only works. First of all, if you're good at it. Second of all, if other players are moving, he was like just r- running into like you said a cul-de-sac, but nobody was moving. He's no. just, just all standing still. What what are they waiting for? You know, like they're waiting for something else. They want Harry Maguire to create for them. So I, un- I understand it's not Maguire's biggest strength, but the other players thinking it is. Do you know what I mean? It's it was ludicrous, and um, there was obviously the moment. Um, we don't need to talk about the the VAR thing for the penalty because it obviously oh, wasn't um, no. a bit of embarrassing embarrassment to sort of even talk about that. But but it, you know that's what it was. Um, a draw. United, like I said, fairly. Um, happy to get away with a point considering the chances they were giving up um, a couple of things obviously to talk about um, after that but let, let, let's start with um, the comment from Harry Maguire after the game um, he said I know I had to remind you of this before the, the podcast you were covering it for, for um, in the studio so Maguire actually said after the game, teams aren't going to. He was talking up the result basically in the performance, saying it was a tough place to come and teams aren't going to come here and tr- create 10 chances. And Ari, most of them do, you know, and they score a lot of goals. It's the easiest place to go. And yeah, I understand that Allardyce is in and Allardyce has got this reputation of, um, of not giving chances away, but it's pretty rudimentary tactics. He packs it tight and. And it's your way to find a, a way past it, you know. He, he, and United didn't have anything. It's like they they'd never seen this tactic before, you know. And I know that I know that you've been an outspoken uh, critic of Maguire more than what I have, and I still sort of tend to sort of give Maguire a little bit more slack than what you do, uh, cut him a little bit more slack, I should say. But in 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 the comments that he's come out with in the last few weeks, um, talking as captain and everything like that. You know, everyone was commenting about hugging John Stones after the City game, and and a couple of comments where he's he's not really shown um, 
I don't know. But let's just say for the sake of um, argument, he hasn't shown that sort of Roy Keane bite about him. I think that what we're seeing is someone who's perhaps a little bit anxious about the criticism of the team and worried about his own position. So he talks up the performance. But he's got to be saying, he can't come out after a game against West Brom and say that teams aren't going to come here and create when we can see that they do. You know, he's got to be coming out and saying, we need to do better than that. It's like I said a couple of weeks ago, Paul, when we lost against Sheffield United, it's all right saying, oh, this is a bad result, blah, blah, blah. These, I'm sorry, you've got to get better results than this. Nobody's going to give you sympathy medals. I don't know what they're thinking. What is he coming out? You know, we've got to do better than that. Everyone can see that. Well, people, if you're a Manchester United player, <clears throat> people won't even give you the drippings from their nose, to be perfectly honest. It's as simple as that. People just don't, don't want you to succeed. And to be honest, it's fortunate that Roy wasn't in the studio with a comment like that. Yeah. So I remember one game, Roy being asked out after a game as captain, about how you know things were, and he absolutely laid in, laid into their performance. He said it. He said it exactly as as it was. I don't know. I don't know if the gaffer was happy with that, but Roy said it as he saw it. I wouldn't surprise me if the boss would have concurred with him about that situation. But obviously, Harry didn't do his homework. Harry doesn't look at other results. He hasn't seen that Crystal Palace went there and scored five. And you see how Crystal Palace play, and you remember as well that Crystal Palace conceded seven at home to Liverpool. So you, sh- so you shouldn't really come out and say statement. It's a bit like a Harry Redknapp kind of statement, is it? Every time, you, every time someone says about a team or anything, he goes, "Yeah, it's a tough place to go." <laughs> you know, it's just an, it's becoming like an old football adage. But no, it's just those little bits that doesn't doesn't make you know makes me when I turn around and say he really is not a captain of Manchester United and on the playing side of it but United is just as important off the field as what it is on it and he's just not that material can he maybe learn and fall into that I, I really I really don't know but the funny thing is is yes I am a I am a critic I, I don't see 80 million pound I really don't see 80 million pound I might maybe juggle and see 50% of that and it's quite funny really is that people when he does something well so many people want to send me a message and say did you see that and I turn around you know and I some of them I just ignore them because I just see them as like kind of if it's adults I see them as just childish and it might be a youngster I don't know but if, if football is just about one moment out of 90 or so then obviously it seems to bother you more than what it bothers me because you need to actually watch a game for 90 minutes and you need not to always follow the ball. You need to have a look at people's starting positions. There was one in the first half where a ball got knocked from the left-hand side, which is by the bench. It went from left to right. Luke Shaw had started... United had the ball. They gave up possession far too easy on the right-hand side. And Luke Shaw had already started his run forward. So he, he started it without actually making sure the ball was cemented in place, in control in the team. And then they got the ball, West Roman. I think it was Pereira, <clears throat> put it in a massive hole yeah. between Maguire and Luke Shaw, who had gone forward. And <clears throat> again, there's no way that Harry Maguire should have allowed Luke Shaw to have gone in that position. First and foremost, he says to Luke, he says to him, if you're going to push on that far and narrow it, don't, don't go along the touchline. Because he was on the touchline, by the way. He was hugging it. And if anything, step inside 10, 15 yards so it's narrow, so it makes your recovery back a lot easier rather than being out wide, especially when you're not the quickest either and you don't enjoy running back. 
And he didn't, he, but he, Harry Maguire never spoke to him. All what Harry Maguire could have done, he could have stepped another five, six yards wider. So when the head comes up, when Pereira, whoever knocked that pass, looks up, they see a big Harry Maguire in that area of where he's trying to put the ball for that player to run onto it. And do you know what happens then? He goes, I ain't going to play that pass. I'm just going to keep it short so we keep possession. So he stops it. So that is, that is called good defensive work. It doesn't mean you have to tackle to be a good defender. It means that you feel space. Yeah. But he never done that. And that is done by him going out there and or it's done by him communicating with Luke Shaw to step inside 10, 15 yards, narrow it. So then that would have put him closer to the person who was going to run. He would turn around and then say to himself, I'm not going to bother running now. And he kills, kills that play before it's even thought about. But no, no one talks. No one says anything. And if they'd had a quicker player in that midfield, they would have been away. They would have been away. Luke Shaw has had to work as hard as he's ever worked at this moment in time to, make, to get back. And he just got in front and, and then done his job. But if he'd have done it, he could have done what he'd done, the same thing. But he wouldn't have to run back so far. And that's called thinking maybe he's a fullback or communication from your centre-half to tell you for, for a centre-half to protect himself and save his legs. Tuck in. I'll tell you what, when I was playing, there's no way that Brucey was going to allow me to go that far forward, to inch forward that far. He was, he was like a running back, he was, the way he was going. He was trying to steal, steal a yard, steal a yard. That's what he was trying to do. And, and it, needed, it could have cost. And it's just communication, Wayne. That's all it needs. And, it, and it's, a, it's a massive problem in that back four. That back four, as much as it's quite regular, he keeps picking them. Every, when you know the game, you know what the back four is going to be, which, in theory... I can't have a go at it because it was like that during my time. Every The back four was, that was it. And, and you're yeah. stuck by it. And I believe in that. If you've got a back four that's good and, and it's good and they all work well together, they communicate, and the continuity in the back line generally means that you're not bad. The rest of it is all right. It's going to go well and you know what you're doing. But at the moment, this back four is getting by because, maybe because there's nothing better and he can trust them more than anyone else. And he knows that if he's going to make changes after what happened against Sheffield United, he must know, Ollie, that he can only make one change and one change only in that back line every game. Unless he gets injuries, he cannot make more than one change in that back line because mm. it will cause a massive problem. The um, Obviously, the forward line's a, a big problem as well. Um, <coughs> Lindelof on the goal was one thing. Um, and <coughs> I know that you, weren't, you thought Maguire could have done better for that as well. Martial, a huge area of concern after yesterday. But really, Lindelof and Martial, the two red flags to come out of yesterday's game. They're players who, who are going to continue to have a chance now until the end of the season because we didn't strengthen the squad. But two players, I think, are, at least two, that seem to be on hugely borrowed time. Um, we've gone through those players before, Paul. Um, and I know that we could we could sort of go over those sort of flashed crosses yesterday and say, why isn't Martial chomping to get in there and score those goals because there were two good balls that were put across that he was just nowhere near. Um, but we have, we've criticised those players before. And I, I just wonder now, Paul, is it a good time to, maybe, maybe because we are, we've been such big fans of, I said big fans, we've supported Oli um, in what he's done and everything like that. Maybe it's time to ask a question of him because 
it has been a bit of a downturn lately and you know centre off like you said there it's probably going to be this bad until the end of the season because we, that's the quarter of players that we've got um, centre forward I, I really don't know I mean I, I, I think in, in in yesterday's game for example you're wasting two positions because you're putting Rashford on the right and, and Martial's just a dead end on the left you've got to now at least I know Rashford isn't playing great football but he's, at least his contributions like his goals and assists were, were holding up so put him in his proper position because he deserves the run there now because Martial's wasted the chance and if someone's got to fight for the position I don't need anyone writing in like commenting on, on socials about this and saying oh Martial doesn't play on the right but Rashford doesn't play on the right and if someone's got to sort of Carry a dead position. Let it be Martial. Do you know? Yeah. Let, let him play in there. Um, but Wayne, let me just again. That's totally unnecessary. If you've got somebody, okay, Rashford hasn't been doing well, but been playing well consistently. But you get more out of him on the left because he can step inside. Yeah. And but I think to myself, right, okay. And then you say to yourself, when you're talking about someone on the right, the better player on the right out, <clears throat> out of the three of them is Greenwood. Yeah. And when Green would come on, that was proven. He'd done more. His first thing he'd done was more than what Rashford had done. Sorry, more than what Martial had yeah. done. So you think to yourself, why don't you start with them? I, I really, the thing I, I worry about is Oli worried about upsetting Martial because he knows he could be a problem around the squad. Is he some kind of, like he sees him as a bad apple who might just affect the barrel if he's if he doesn't keep him happy to a point, is that the reason why he's playing him? Because generally he shouldn't be anywhere near a starting position. He should be sitting out there and and then understanding why he's not playing. So when he does play, he goes and grabs it. He might not be great, but he goes and shows enthusiasm. But he's not that kind of player, <coughs> is he? If he's out of the team, he won't come in and do that. So well. Well, there's something wrong. You you can't manage like that. I'm sorry. That's that, again. I yeah, use yeah. the word. That, that's sentiment. And that doesn't get, that will come back and haunt you if you're going to do that. I think you mentioned Greenwood there, and I know we've both talked about maybe Greenwood getting a little bit too much football as well. I, I wonder um, if in terms of moving forward now, like you said, in, in games like yesterday, start with Greenwood, but in games where you have to mix it up a little bit, don't put Martial in. Change the system. Find a way to put Van der Beek in. Pack the midfield a bit more, and know that you've got Cavani and Rashford up front, and Bruno to move the space around if it need be. Do you know? Pack, pack the system. Change it around a little bit. Do you well, know? Because there's no yeah. point in like and like give Martial that f- sort of like you're not in front of Cavani anymore. You're not in front of Rashford. Greenwood should play in front of you and Van der Beek well, should get that chance first well it's coming to the point where maybe he's got to give Greenwood he's got to say to him right now I'm going to give you a bit of a run now are you going to go and grab it and you find out if, is it there or not yeah. on the other side of it if you're not going to play Greenwood there you can maybe have that area and you know that at the end of the day is that Fernandez is going to be happy to run out there yeah. and go and do stuff out there and then if you've got a Van der Beek in the team <clears throat> he can sit in that middle and do that little bit while Fernandes is out there. Van der Beek is happy to go out there and run out there, but got to allow a little bit of freedom of movement rather than static positions. And Martial is quite static. And I always thought the game was about fluency now. Players shifted around. We talk about the great European sides and 
players move around. Corey, what's it? The left backs now is a centre midfield player. Look at Man City; they move around. They've learnt now. They they felt uncomfortable, and you could see it. But they shift around. They're not just obsessed with one position. They can go into somewhere. Listen, at the end of the day, you look at John Stones. John Stones can be a central midfield player or go and play as a right midfield player. That's the centre half who actually looks it, doesn't look uncomfortable. He looks, you know, he, he look, he's, he's in sync with what they do in midfield. So you think yourself now, you, we're quite rigid. We have to say that United are quite rigid in what they're doing. And that's, it's, that's, and that's again, that's about coaching. Different levels, different ideas, and everyone wants a different outcome. So we, we can't say that suits every coach. But... People move around and move into different areas. While United are quite, everyone, as soon as I got to, you know that Rashford, you know that he, very rarely is he going to run around the outside. So if I'm a right back, I know he's going to go inside. So straight away you think of right. And they've done it every single time. He ran inside without even working hard to go around the outside of um, Snodgrass, sometimes <clears throat> Rashford or Martial. And they cut inside and what happens is, the centre half Ajayi just comes and steps out. Conor, Conor Gallagher was just stepping out. They were just going bang, and what happens is you either run straight across them and have to go out the other side, or they nick it off your toe. And you know, or if they're impetuous defenders, they give away free kicks from the edge of the box, and you hope that Fernandez can hit the target. United aren't playing hit and hope football. I hope they ain't going that way because that is that is not top level football. You have a plan, you have an idea, you have a, you have a structure, you have a culture about every, everything about you. You have an ethos, you know, you, there's so many different things that you have as a top side. Something what you know is going to happen. I played in a team that if we was 1-0 down or if we was 1-1 against a lesser, against a side we're away from home or even at home we expected to win, you never panicked. And the reason why you never panicked because you had big players around you, the likes of Robbo, Keane, you had Ince, um, Brucey. So at the moment they see you trying to win the game in the next minute, they'll, they'll look at you and they'll just do their hand and they'll look at you and they're shaking their head. They're telling you, calm down, not a race, whacking long balls, get up the pitch as quick as possible. That's not the way to do it if you play for Manchester United. Yeah, that's that's the thing, and that, and that's the problem. That tells you because what they were trying to do. There's some players in there who are not in the position at the moment to play in a Manchester United team that is chasing a title with any great conviction and belief. Yeah, I think this is the thing as well. Um, when you look at what the ambition is for this season, we were overachieving, but we were there nonetheless. And Ollie's big. Um, conundrum from now until the end of the season is first of all to not let the confidence drop so much that we're fighting to keep hold of the Champions League spot um, which you know we could be because of the the fixtures that are coming up but second of all um, this is the critical period for him in terms of these players you know yes you can't count on Eric Bai so Lindelof will probably play more often than not but the Martial conundrum for example those are the kind of situations that could count against him if he doesn't identify the issue and get it right before the end of the season and that will mean a bit of tinkering through the system you know and getting it right in terms of maybe changing the shape to, to sort of get the best out of this group of players because if he doesn't do that and United continue to slide yes you can blame Martial and say that he's not good enough but the manager picking him has got to take responsibility for that as well so it's 
it is a big few months for Ollie as well, isn't it? To see how how sort of ruthless he can be. And I get at the end of it. I mean, we we've seen that he's been ruthless before, so I don't think anyone can discount that. You know, he got rid of Lukaku and Sanchez, so he did. He's shown ruthlessness in that regard. But if he doesn't show that, he could become a victim of it. Um, you know, a victim of yeah. the situation that he's not fixing. Yeah. yeah, but that was ruthlessness. That was getting the people out. It's being ruthless and still having those people in, and then you've got to manage that situation yeah. in house. Now that's been seriously ruthless. The manager, the, man, the, the manager that won the last league title, <clears throat> he could he could do that. Yeah. Can Oli do that? That's a, that's a test of his management. He can do that. At the moment, I would say he's not showing that side of it because there's people still playing on a regular on a regular note. On, on a regular note who shouldn't be playing regularly they should be they should know themselves that they're in a little bit of trouble because they're not going to play regularly and there's nothing worse in my opinion than sitting around at a football club and not playing you know, I, I really don't get anybody who's content to sit around and know you're on a peripheral and just smile and be content with that because that doesn't work for me that's that's that's, that's been like a spare leg mm. hanging around so <clears throat> he's got to do that he's got to really test the players out there is over the player does he want to be playing regularly or, or is he content to just be picking up his money I hope it's not the latter yeah. to be perfectly honest because that sends bad vibes around the football club when someone's doing that yeah yeah. Um, a couple of um, games this week then so Sociedad is the, the first one in the Europa League at the time of the draw they were top of La Liga they had a bit of a Christmas drop in form but they are sort of back to some kind of form now. They've won the last two games. They're going to be going into this game on a bit of a high. Um, obviously, Adnan Yanazai, we know a lot about. Um, player who's showing a little bit of promise, um, a little bit of that potential that he, he was, um, that we thought he was capable of at United. Um, if not right at the top of the table in terms of um, quality he's still, he's still there or thereabouts. And um, they're the, the other winger that they had who I had they said last week had a hamstring injury but played at the weekend so um, they've got a good team Paul and they are in that sort of um, growing confidence because of the wins that they've had at the moment um, a lot of people talk about the Europa League as maybe something that's a bit of a problem for United to just get rid of um, where do you stand on that? I just think at this moment in time if I'm looking at it and I'm thinking of Oli Oli's Oli's got to compete in it. <clears throat> He's got a difficult way of, a difficult tie against quite a youngish side who are very slick. Um, we're going to a very slick in midfield as well. They shift, they shift around very, very quickly as individuals and they shift the ball around. So it's going to be a very difficult game. It needs players out there <clears throat> who have got good feet, good legs to move around because they are that sharp. But he's got to stay in there, and it's it's more difficult now the Europa League because there's no great advantage, is there? Playing at home is no great advantage for United. Playing at Old Trafford in the second leg is no great advantage because United's form at home hasn't been good. Perform, you know, performances haven't really been good. <clears throat> no one needs to throw the nine nil at me because that doesn't really count mm. as a performance. So um, I think we have to. <clears throat> I think I have to say is that. It's, it's just one that Ollie's. I think that he has to get through it. Otherwise, if he doesn't get if he doesn't get through it, if the first if the first leg doesn't go in the manner which 
people wanted to go. Again, good as maybe at some point it was for Ollie this season, getting to the top of the league. It can all come back. That's the thing about football. At the end of the day, you don't go around shouting and screaming or digging people out or whatever in that way. Is because football is a funny way of throwing egg in your face. Mm. That's, that's what football can do. One minute you're sitting on the top of the league and the next minute people are start talking about you. Are you going to make a Champions League spot? So things change very, very quickly as we're seeing with, with Liverpool. What we're seeing with Tottenham at this moment in time. They were top of the league just over a month ago and we're seeing what's happened there. So football can change very, very quickly if you're not in control of it. So he has to get figure out what you can be honest keep his toes in the water there the same as with the FA Cup can't afford to gamble on the FA Cup <clears throat> the most important game is your next is the game you're playing next don't look at <laughs> don't look at the, the one after just worry about that one in front of you the priority is to win it don't worry about fixture pile ups don't worry about resting players you're winning games if you've got the right personnel they're going to want to play in every single game because you're winning them yeah yeah um, United obviously they're going to take on Newcastle in the league next Sunday as well it's, I think from looking at the fixture calendar it's the last of that run of so-called comfortable fixtures that we were meant to have um, but Newcastle themselves are in better form of late um, they won at Everton then they won against Southampton although that was a bit of a mental game and they only just got through in that one but um they are, you know, tails up because they've won those two games nonetheless and we've seen against Sheffield United and West Brom it doesn't really matter <laughs> because we can we can drop points against anyone again. Um, but it really they're a, they're a hard one. They're, they're like this they're like this league at the moment in time way in Newcastle. Yeah. They're unpredictable. So you've got an unpredictable league with maybe the most unpredictable team in the Premier League in Newcastle. They you know, every Newcastle fan hate Steve Bruce for some unknown reason. They don't like him. <clears throat> He's a local boy, and I thought Geordies love their own. Okay, he managed Sunderland. That shouldn't be held against him. It's a job he was doing. He was, it was a job he was doing work. And, and then they're trying to say he's not as good as Rafa. Everything he's done and suggested, maybe, if he's not better, then he's just as good as. And you look at the aspirations of the club, yep. And you look at what's been given for people to go and try and reach those aspirations, you know it's not good enough. So why are you slating somebody who's maybe one of the nicest people in football so much when he could only give so much? He could only, there's only so much you can do. You are governed at Newcastle. And it's just a crying shame that someone like Bruce, who I've, been, I've said so many times over the years, I would love to. I would love for Steve to get the opportunity to manage a big club, <clears throat> and he's managing a big club, and he's doing something that he never dreamt he's doing. He's managing his hometown team, who he loves, and he's he's been able to move. He's able to move. I'm sure you know move back up home again, being closer to family, and he's getting you know he's getting pelters. And I'm, in certain ways, I'm glad that there isn't fans in the stadium because it, someone like Bruce, he doesn't deserve to be berated from the stands. You know, by people who live in this world of in, in, incredible world, uh, you know, that they should be playing regularly against Barcelona and Real Madrid. Yeah. But Newcastle, I saw them play at Spurs, where they, they were horrible, horrible against Spurs, but they get a one-all draw. Their second, their second shot of the game was a penalty. <clears throat> and, that, and that was them in that game. We've seen it all the time, but yet, 
as you put them down to get beaten against somebody, they go and get something out of it. So, yes, let's go back to where you're starting from. They're playing Manchester United at Old Trafford. There's every chance they'll come and nick a point. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the way you've got to look at it. There's no guarantees at this moment in time when, in theory, you'd look at it Newcastle, you'd say to yourself, yeah, United are going to win it. Not at this moment in time, not the way this league is and not the way Newcastle are. There's no guarantees. Yeah. Do you think... Um... <clears throat> It's a big task for Ollie to sort of um, really get their head screwed on in terms of that Champions League spot. Or do you think I'm worry, worrying a little bit too much about that? Because it's a, it's a decent gap, like seven or eight <coughs> points. But I, I just think when you look how quickly we can drop five or six points, then mm. uh, it can turn around pretty quickly. Do you yeah, think? Do you think we've got enough to get there? Is what I'm saying. The top four. You've got to say there is enough to get there. There's got to be enough to get there, given how they've gone and got the points and got themselves to the top. The one thing I'll say about Ollie, I, I don't know about you, Wayne, but I didn't like the way he, did, he dismissed about winning the league mm. when he was there. And if you're four or five points behind somebody, <clears throat> then you're in contention. You have to say it because people are going to believe it. It doesn't matter. If West, if West Brom in January was sitting four or five points behind Man City or even six, seven points behind Man City you would have to say and Big Sam would say well of course we're, in, in, course we're there yeah. in contention because look where we are and, you know, but can you win it Sam? I don't know at the moment I'm in contention we've got to wait and see how it all pans out that might be a little bit by sitting on the fence but I'll tell you what it makes your players think about it rather than saying, nah, we're not in contention. And straight away, you're giving the players an easy get-out. In today's world, you are giving your players an easy, easy get-out because players, in my opinion, of course, haven't got the same desire about winning medals as what they did God knows how many years ago. Yeah. They've lost that. To go out and win six, seven league, <clears throat> no. It's about followers, followers on Twitter or Instagram or how much money they're going to make. That's, and there's, they haven't got that same desire to want to win medals because I always thought that was it, that you look at it and you look back at it and people will talk to you and want to talk to you. People talk about, when they talk about me, they talk about <clears throat> United and what I achieved. If I had to play for United and not achieved anything, people say, oh, you play for United, but they had nothing then to bounce for a conversation with me. Mm. Not, you know, because the end of the day, money in the bank is not a conversation piece. You don't put that in the cabinet, do you? Or wrap glass around it and look at it and go, cool, I've done well. No, but you have a nice empty cabinet. <clears throat> yeah, that's lovely, yeah, great. In, <laughs> in some lovely kind of wood, some kind of expensive wood. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, let's hope that... Um... For, for a number of reasons that we can get some medals in, in the cabinet this season but yeah I, I agree it's, it's one of those um, just a, a sort of tough week again that he's we've talked about it before Paul about um, sort of balancing those expectations and we've said it probably for nine or ten weeks and just sort of said balance you know be reasonable with what you're expecting and now um, now it has sort of fallen apart a little bit what can we do to get back to where we were and that is the um, probably probably considering the way that everything's gone the biggest task of the Ole Gunnar Solskjaer era because he's got to kind of show some kind of significant 
step forward in these next three months. Um, going to be interesting to see how he does that. Um, we'll be back next week to talk about those games. Um, Talking Devils, as always, brought to you in association with Classic Football Shirts. Remember, the 10% discount uh, with them is TOTD10. Um, yeah, please leave us a nice review or rating on Apple Podcasts if you enjoy the show. We'll be back next week. Stay safe, stay well, and thanks for listening.